And uh, I said, I said, but if I stayed home, if I stayed home tonight, everybody would swear I stayed home to watch the Gators play in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> so uh, I'm right before pneumonia and, and in a coma, but I'm here, all right? I'm just kidding. It's good to be saved. It's good to be in the house of God. You know what? I'm tickled to death to be able to go to a church that can have fun. Can have fun, not just have fun, but a church that can have fun and, and experience the touch of God and the anointing of God. See people get saved. See a 76-year-old discouraged pastor run the aisles and get happy in Jesus. Amen. Ain't just everywhere you can rap and see a 76-year-old pastor run the aisles. Amen. Only in Alabama. Amen. So let's pray. We're going to go to the Lord in word of prayer. And uh, Brother Buchanan, would you lead us in prayer and pray like, pray like you're saved. All right? Pray, pray real loud so everybody can hear you because you don't have a mic. And then Brother Travis, just come share. Now, here's what I need. Here's what I need, sure enough. Uh, we're going to be taking this down. And uh, uh, if, if I can have some men that will help us. And, and listen, if you, can, if you can help us out, it won't take very long. It wasn't long to go up. It won't, it'll be even shorter to take down. The more help we have, the better. And, uh, and, and if you could hang out, uh, 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 Brother Travis is going to teach us a Bible lesson. We're going to pray for them. They are going to Costa Rica. Y'all are leaving out tomorrow, right? And we're going to pray over them and uh, uh, pray that God will uh, uh, bless their travels and, and, and what they are doing there. And then as many men as possible, if you can hang out with us and, and uh, help us, uh, uh, more hands, less work. Say amen. I'm all about that. Amen. Brother Buchanan, won't you lead us in prayer and ask God to help us, okay? Amen. All right. You can go ahead and have a seat. And uh, thanks, preacher, for the opportunity to come tonight. And uh, this is exciting for me. And I enjoy getting to preach and teach and share something that God has given me. I want you to take your Bible tonight, if you will, and go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 25. Proverbs 25. And what I want to do this evening is give you a, I guess what we would call a topical thought or a topical message, and I want to incorporate the new year, and I want to preach to you tonight and teach a little bit on this thought. I want to preach on the thought of, you can't go with me. You can't go with me. And here's my thesis, I guess you would say, is that, you know, we have rolled over and God has graciously given us uh, another year. Or let me back up. I don't guess he's given us another year yet, but he's given us the start to a brand new year. And we're not promised tomorrow, much less the whole of 2013. But I tell you what, I'm going to live in such a way, and I desire to prepare in such a way that if the Lord does not return tomorrow I'll be ready to live for him tomorrow and there's some things I believe that we can topically look at in the Bible and just use our Bible a little bit and and we can decide that there's some things that we absolutely 
cannot take with us into this new year. I don't know about you, but uh, I didn't get everything just right in 2012. I was reading face, uh, some posts on Facebook yesterday, and there's a, uh, a young lady that I'm friends with on Facebook, and she lives in Georgia somewhere, and she made the most honest Facebook post that I've seen in weeks. She listed about eight or ten things that she felt like she just didn't do well on in 2012. And she said, but I'm going to press on, and these are the things that I'm asking God to help me with. And I, and I tell you, my first thought was, boy, she's being a lot more honest on Facebook than I would be. And then my second thought was, God's probably going to bless her a whole lot more for her honesty than he is me. And so I've decided there's some things that I don't want to go with me. Let me read you this text verse, so to speak, if you will. Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says this. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, or he that continues... To live in such a manner that he's undisciplined in his spiritual life. The Bible says that that person is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, a city that is broken down, a city that is without walls, there's one, there's one basic characteristic about that type of a city that we can compare to our life. And that is a city that's broken down and without walls is without defense. It's defenseless. Anybody, any enemy can get to that city. Anyone that wishes that city harm can go in there and do the harm they desire without much of a fight. And if you're like me, uh, I, want, I know that it's not going to be easy to live for God, but I at least want to be putting up the very best fight that I can. And so there are a few spirits, if you will, that I don't want to take with me out of 2012 and drag them into 2013. You can't go with me. Let me give you these few spirits. The first spirit I want to look at is a forgetful spirit. The forgetful spirit. And I have a few other verses here if you want to jot these down. Psalm 119 verse 16 says this, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And Psalm 119.93 says, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Now, if you're like I am, uh, then, then you probably have difficulty just remembering to do the very basic things in your Christian life. You'd think, after being saved since 1994, that, that I should have basic things down pat. And I don't want you to think that every basic thing I fail at every day, and I know you don't, but there are some very basic things that I still struggle with. 
Like my Bible study and my devotion time and my reading. I'll never forget. April and I, several years ago, uh, have com- uh, we committed to reading some verses together every week. And, and, and the first place we started was in Psalm 119. Because that particular chapter of the Bible is all about God's Word. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. The whole chapter, which has over a hundred verses, is full of verses about the Word of God itself. So I thought that'd be a good place to start. And we got, everything was going good in our Bible study until we got down there to verse 16. And, and we had been hit and missed with our reading. And sometimes we, we really still are, to be honest with you, in our together devotion time. And verse 16, we got down there, and it said, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And boy, the Lord spoke to us, I think it was simultaneously, about how many times... Do we include everything else in our daily routine, but leave out the most important thing, which is a relationship with the Bible? You say, well, how do we go about not dragging that forgetful spirit into this new year? Well, in order to leave my forgetful spirit behind, there's two things that I'm going to concentrate on doing. Number one, I'm going to delight in God's Word. Now listen, I'm trying my best to do this, to put God's Word first and foremost and actually find my joy, my happiness, and my delight right here between these pages. I am so guilty. Like a lot of other people, I have an iPhone, and buddy, I love that thing. I play games on it. I do all the social media stuff. And, and you know, I come to the conclusion the other day, and it was conviction. And it took me about two weeks to own up to it. But God kept speaking to me. And I come to the conclusion, preacher, that if I held my Bible as close as I do my phone, there's no telling what God would do in my life. And I've decided I'm going to delight myself in God's Word. How about you? Let's go into 2013 and let's wake up in the morning if you're a morning person. Let's have that cup of coffee or whatever you might do. And let's sit down and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you give me something to make my day brighter? Would you give me something to help me through the day? Lord, I'm looking for not only to do my duty in reading, I'm looking, God, for you to fill my day with the glory of God and the joy of the Lord right here in these pages. So, in order to to leave our forgetful spirit, let's delight in God's Word, but let's depend. Let's depend on God's Word. You know, there's, uh, there's so much talk about uncertainty. If you turn the news on for more than five minutes, you will be certain that everything is uncertain. Say amen. I mean, whether it's last-minute deals or cliffs to fall off of, I've come to the conclusion there's not much of anything in our world today that is absolute except the Word of God we hold in our hand. And I don't want to depend on the news. 
I don't want to depend and rely on the forecast. I don't want to depend on what I can come up with in and of my own devices. I want to depend on God's Word, and therefore I'm not going to take a forgetful spirit with me into this year. A good story to go along with that is uh, a few years ago, we were, I was at the rescue mission where I was able to work for a long time in Augusta, Georgia. It's a homeless shelter called the Garden City Rescue Mission. And we had um, this, this gentleman that got saved there just about a year after it opened. His name is James Dennis. James was 60 years old when he got saved. He just had his 70th birthday about two months ago. And he got saved and... He, we discipled him at the mission, and at 70 years old, he's still the, the, uh, the head chef at the mission. He's worked at the mission all of uh, ever, the last 10 years since he got saved. And he was a bad drug addict, and I mean, had all kinds of problems, was homeless, and he just fell in love with God, with God's work, with the work of the mission, and, and he's lived at the mission ever since he got saved. Great guy. Well... I did not know that he had been in prison before. And this is what he told me one day. He came walking by the hallway in my office, and he was singing. He always would sing to himself. And uh, he had a real rough voice, and he'd sing these songs that nobody could understand, but he swore they were gospel. And um, didn't have no words, but, and you could tell it was because it was a joyful noise. Say Amen. Well, he went by the office, my door was open, he was singing, going by. When he came back, he was crying. And I, I thought, what is he crying about? And all of a sudden, he came in my office and plopped down in my chair. And, and I said, he was wiping tears and he was snotting. Y'all know that term, just snotting. And, and he said, Mr. Travis, he said, I can't believe it. And I thought, oh man, what's he done? Because he had falling off the wagon a time or two and I thought man is he done has Mr. James done had a fall or, or what's wrong he said I ain't never told you this he said but I was in prison in the 50's and I'm like why is he crying about this what is going on he said and James was the cook he said I was back there getting the beans and the rice and the stuff to, to cook supper for tonight he said, and I was singing my song and getting my groceries out of the pantry. He said, and it hit me. And he starts crying all over again. And I'm like, what in the world? I said, Mr. James, what hit you? He said, you know what my job was when I was in prison? I said, what was your job? He said, I was the cook. And he, he just wiping his... I said, what are you saying? He said, God just told me in the pantry that he had me in prison in 1954 teaching me how to cook so that when he saved me, I could serve him and know how to do it here at the mission. And I thought, man, it wasn't but a minute when I comprehended. It wasn't joy, uh, uh, tears of, uh, of failure. It was tears of joy. And before I knew it, I was crying right along with him, man. Here he's crying and I'm crying. And, and, and it, he said this. He said, I had forgotten that God, even when I was lost, was preparing me. 
he told me, he said, I'm never going to forget that even when I didn't think about God, God was thinking about me. How about you? This year, let's not take that forgetful spirit. Let's remember to live for God. Let's remember to read God's word. Let's remember to give God the best we have. Here's a second spirit that we shouldn't let go with us into the new year. Not only that forgetful spirit, but how about a fearful spirit? A fearful spirit. One of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You ever sit down, and I don't know if this is good exercise or not, but it helped me a while back when I was putting this sermon together. I sat down and I just asked God to show me what it is that I'm afraid of. And I tell you what, when you sit down with a pen or a pencil and a notepad and ask God to speak to you, it might just scare you, that's ironic, what, what comes out of your hand. Here's three things that God showed me I was scared of or I had a fear of, an unhealthy fear. By the way, there is such a thing as healthy fear, the fear of the Lord is a wonderful fear. The fear of a hot burning stove is a wonderful fear. I know that because we was at a motel one time preaching for Brother Craig. And Hunter was about this old and he wanted to make his own waffle on the waffle making machine in the lobby. And I kept telling him, let daddy do it. And he kept saying, I can do it. And finally, when I turned my back, the buzzer beeped, and he just grabbed the waffle. He grabbed the waffle maker. And you know that boy is fixing to be 12 years old, and to this day, he won't eat a waffle. So he, he tells me, Daddy, I'm scared of them things. I'm like, it ain't the waffle that got you. It was the waffle maker. So some fear is good. But fear that is baseless is not good. God showed me that some of my biggest uh, fears are the fear of failure, the fear of embarrassment, and the fear of letting God down. Now, I'm no expert at this, but I do know this. If I give it my very best shot and my very best effort, even if I fail, I'm still a success because I did my best. I know this. I know that if I do my best and if I live according to how God wants me to live, even if I get embarrassed, there's nothing to be embarrassed about because I'm living for God. And I know this. It'd be awful hard to let an omnipotent God down. <laughs> how can I let God down? Before I was born, he knew the decisions I would make, whether for the good or for the bad. Amen. So, my fears are baseless. In other words, there's not much there to base them on. 
The Bible says in Psalm 118 and verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You say, well, how in the world? You say, I've got a lot of fears. I'm scared of a lot of things. How do I go into this next year and leave this fearful spirit behind? Let me give you this one bit of advice. Simply believe in what God has given you. According to 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us three things. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power, that's ammunition. Power, he gave us power, folks. And you know what? So many times we live and we play our everyday Christian game defense only. But God has not just given us a good defense. He's given us the greatest offense that there is the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and listen we're not going to win this battle unless we charge hell and 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 take back what the enemy stole from us and forge ahead and decide hey God wants to use me and I want to be used so God's given us ammunition that's power God's given us love That's affection. So we've got ammunition. We've got affection. He said he's given us a sound mind. That's ability. And let me say this. You and God is a majority. And with the help of God, nothing is impossible. Say amen right there. So let's leave that fearful spirit behind. One time... You ever been in a situation where you were just absolutely afraid? Well, I have. We were soul winning one time in the neighborhood where, in a real bad neighborhood where the homeless shelter was. Me and a friend named Lee. And uh, we saw this gentleman. Boy, he was just down and out looking. Uh... And we went up to him and we gave him a gospel track and we witnessed to him and spoke to him and loved on him and did everything we could just to be an encouragement to him. When our time was over, witnessing to him, we just talked to him for five or ten minutes. He turned and went one way and me and Lee turned and went the other way. We was walking down the street corner. And all of a sudden, man, we heard an engine roar. Sound like it was going to blow up. And about the time we turned around at the end of the block to look, this little car was running, I mean, it seemed like 100 miles an hour. And about the time we saw it and saw that it was flying down the road toward us, the brakes locked up. And this little car slid probably 20 or 30 feet to a stop. Before the car hardly got stopped, the driver's door swung open and this fella jumped out and it was like it was all in one motion without stopping and he came running at me and my friend Lee in a full sprint down the sidewalk I looked at Lee Lee looked at me and there wasn't time to say nothing before we could even get our thoughts this man was in our face and He just started cussing 
and yelling and screaming and pointing at us and pointing at that guy that we had just got through talking to. And when it was all said and done, we figured out this guy was a drug dealer of some sort. And we evidently was speaking to one of the people that buy drugs from him. He thought we was, I guess, getting in on his territory. <laughs> he said, what do you think you're doing talking to him? And I said, well, we're, what do you think? And I mean, that, you couldn't get a word in edgewise. And my friend Lee is from North Georgia. He had a gun in his pocket. And I mean, every time that dude was pointing his finger a little bit closer, Lee was digging a little bit deeper. <laughs> I thought every day in the Augusta Chronicle, there's shootings and stabbings in the police report, but it don't need to include the director of the homeless shelter. Finally, Lee came up with a brilliant idea. You know what he did? He said the name Jesus. That's all he said. He said, Jesus. I don't know if he said that because he knew he was fixing to die or he was fixing to <laughs> die the other guy. He said, Jesus. The man said, what'd you say? And Lee said, I'm still sitting there, my knees is shaking, and I'm sitting there, I'm trying to say something, but I can't. The man said, I said we're out here telling people about Jesus. And the guy just had this strange look, like a deer in a headlight look. Finally, I got a little bit of bravery, and I pulled out one of the tracks we had, and I said, see, it's real. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. He said, who are you people? I said, I work at the mission. <laughs> Lee said, oh, Lee was getting bold. He said, look, brother. He said, we're both preachers. We're out here telling folks about Jesus. He said, I think you need to hear about him. Amen. I'm like, don't push the issue, man. <laughs> Lee said, let me ask you something. If you died today, I'm like, don't talk about dying today. This ain't time for an evangelistic crusade, man. Let's just get it. And Lee just goes to witnessing to him. It was as if the dude himself crumbled. He couldn't cuss no more. He couldn't threaten no more. He listened to every word Lee had to say took the track I had and said, I'll see y'all later. Turned around and walked to his car. It was at that point when I just went ahead and buckled. <laughs> Lee said, I'd have had him if he didn't bite on the Jesus word. I'd have had him. I got my gun. I said, you wouldn't have had nothing. <laughs> we argued all the way back to mission, but I was scared to death. Well, Lee was a, such a powerful, just vocal soul winner. Well, the next week came around. And I had made this commitment to go out every week witnessing outside the mission. You know, get outside the four walls. When you, you go outside the four walls of a church, that's one thing. 
But you go outside the four walls of the mission in the ghetto, that's another thing. But I'd made this commitment. When it was time to go, I was so scared because Lee had done gone home. Now, I was the main leader of the soul winning pack. Now, almost didn't go. And it was like God said, seriously? You saw an enraged drug dealer melt at my name and you're going to be fearful about going back out and boldly proclaiming me? I said, Lord, you'll have to give me power. He said, that's what I'm here for. I said, Lord, you'll have to give me love because I didn't love that dude. He said, that's what I'm here for. I said, but God, you gave me a sound mind too and my, my good sense says don't go. He said, you're misinterpreting it. No, he didn't say that. But let me say this. What were you scared of last year? What are you still scared of today? I'll be honest with you, I don't know how you did that rap. The grace of God. That would have scared me to death. Let me ask you this. Are you going to take what, what's causing fear and drag it through a whole nother year? You know, I was reading today about that forgetful spirit. Matter of fact, you know, one, one practical step that I took, I, about a month ago I started this, but I got this little app on my phone called the Blue Letter Bible, and I started doing the read through your Bible in a year. No more excuses, because I done confessed I hold that phone close. So I don't have to see the church bulletin or, or something else. I mean, if I got my phone, I know what chapters I'm supposed to read. Today was Genesis chapter, or yesterday was Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, as far as I'm aware, is the account of where fear first entered. Eve and Adam and Eve sinned. They took of the fruit. The Bible teaches us that they saw that they were naked. They clothed themselves. And then God calls to Adam. Adam hides. And Adam says, I, I saw that I was naked and I was scared. I was afraid. And so God says, who told you? that you were naked. And you know the whole account, but the, the fact that I want to make is that fear entered on the heels of sin. One very practical way to fight fear in our lives is to live our life as holy as we can, as clean as we can, keeping our sin confessed, not on a daily basis, but on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Because if I can have a clear conscience with God, that my heart is right with God, then I can look at the Lord and I can say, God, give me power to overcome this fear. I'm striving, I'm seeking, I'm searching for you. God, give me strength and power Help me not to be afraid. Amen. Amen. Let me give you the third spirit. Not only a, a forgetful spirit, a fearful spirit, 
But the third spirit that I don't want to go with me this year is a fruitless spirit. Fruitless. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. April's, my wife April, her dad got saved 25 years ago. And it's pretty neat how he got saved. Uh, preacher knows Jerry McFalls, April's daddy, real well. Knew him before I knew him. And a teenager from the church over there in, in North Augusta, South Carolina, came and knocked on April Nim's door. And Jerry was had already drank about a six-pack of beer. It was after work one day, and he had, a, had two more beers in his hand and one in this hand and two more on the... Uh, I guess holding them for whatever reason, and answered the door. And there's this kid, like a 14, 15-year-old. And Jerry thought, what in the world is this kid doing here? And the kid introduced himself. He said, we're from Victory Baptist Church just down the road, and I wondered if I could ask you a question. Jerry said he thought, the first thing he thought to himself was, what can a 15-year-old kid ask me that I don't already know? So he said, sure, you can ask me a question. This young, young boy in the youth department said, Mister, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Or would there be some doubt? And if Jerry was here telling you his own testimony, he'd say he went, uh, buh, 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 buh. Nobody ever asked him that. He didn't know the answer. Kid gave him a track and left, a gospel track. Uh, invitation to the church. Jerry was a construction worker and an alcoholic. He drank a six-pack of beer on the way home, a six-pack on the uh, or six-pack on the way to work, a six-pack on the way home, and then more once he got home. He carried that gospel track in his pocket with him to work every day for how long? A week or two? For a week. Even said the prayer on the back of it a couple times. Came in one day from work throwed that track down on the table and told April's mama, he said, there ain't nothing to this. I said that thing it says to say several times. It ain't no different. Well, the next morning, for, he, he said, I still don't know why I kept that thing. He said the next morning, he saw it on the table. He picked it up, put it in his shirt pocket, went on to work like he normally does. And somebody at his job site got to singing old gospel hymns while they was working in some concrete. He said he got to thinking, hearing them words, thinking about all that stuff on that paper he had read. He said he got to thinking about his life and thinking about God and thinking about heaven. And he got to thinking about what that young teenager said. If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you have some doubt? He said he got so convicted that he got down on his knees in a ditch in a trench where they were forming up a big concrete wall. He pulled out that thing. He read that track backwards from the, from the front to the back. He prayed that prayer one more time. He said, I'm not sure what was different that time than all them other times. He said, but all I know is God saved me right there on the construction site. Amen. Wasn't long after that he surrendered to be a preacher. 
He's preached in more jail and prison services uh, than anybody I know. He's led hundreds of people to the Lord. He's been a deacon and an usher just about since the month after he got saved. And it all happened because a teenage boy decided he wanted God to give him some fruit. You know, it's easy to get in this, in this spirit of, well, if I tell somebody about Jesus, I, they might not listen. If I invite somebody to the church, they're probably not going to come. Well, I know so-and-so came, but if I invite somebody, I don't know if they'll come or not. Listen, let's leave that attitude behind. Let's say I might have invited somebody in 2012 and they didn't come, but I've got a whole new list of prospects. I'm going to leave that fruitless spirit behind, and I'm going to say, God, he that winneth souls is wise. Help me to be wise. Lord, give me fruit this year. Amen. In order to leave my fruitless spirit behind, what do I do? I'm going to just give you one basic thing that I do. Stay alert to the needs of others. Just stay alert. Be vigilant. Have your eyes wide open. I was talking to a friend on the phone today, a missionary friend, and he was telling me about, about Ken Trivet. You probably know who that is. This is a missionary. He was a pastor of a very successful church in Chattanooga area. And he, he resigned his church and went to be a missionary out west among the Indians. He said he's in the poorest Indian reservation that there is in, I think it's South Dakota. They want us, just today, they want Unsheltered International to come and maybe do a resource clinic because these folks out there are poor, they don't have hardly nothing. They think they could really benefit from the resources, the same ones we give to the folks that live on the street in Birmingham. Amen. And so we were talking about that today. But he said this missionary, this veteran pastor, now missionary, was telling him that he drove 80 miles one way just to take food to a family that had nothing last week. He said he got there, delivered the food, and, and, and the, the man kissed his hand and said, you don't know how it feels to know somebody cares about me. You say, why would, why would, a, why would somebody drive 80 miles across an Indian reservation and take food? They were just looking for an opportunity. They saw it, and even though it was a long way, they took off. And if we want to bear fruit this year, Let's just open our eyes and see what's there. And I bet you this, I know somebody's in here and you're saying, well, gee whiz, that's all good and all, you know, for you preachers. Anybody that is saved by the grace of God can bear fruit and make a difference in the life of someone else. I'll go one further than that. You may think you're not even really doing it, but I bet you are. If you're trying your best to live for God, somebody's watching it. Somebody's seeing it. Somebody's benefiting from it, even when you don't think so. 
I'll never forget there was one day when we were having a particular, particularly hard day at the mission where, where we worked. My stepdad worked for me. He was the maintenance man. And uh, we had had a hard week. Well, he had had a hard week. I, I had just had a good week, but he had had a hard week because he replaced like five toilets in one week. We had the awfulest time. I mean, you could put a brand new toilet in. And the next day it'd be on the other side of the bathroom. People just tear stuff up, you know. And If you've ever been in maintenance in any type of big place, you know that people just, if it ain't theirs, they abuse it sometimes. And so my stepdad, boy, he's, he's a perfectionist man. and He likes everything to be right. And he wants everybody to treat it just like he would treat it if it was his. And, it, and when that don't go right, boy, he would get frustrated. And it, which made me frustrated. Well, we was on the porch one time. He told me, he said, I tell you what. He said, I'm just about ready to wring these guys' necks. I said, Papa, what's going on? That's when he told me about all these toilets and told me how much they cost. And I'm like, I'm about ready to wring these guys' necks, you know. And, and we're sitting there, and the more we talked about all the maintenance problems, the matter we both get. And you know what happened? All that conversation, it didn't take but about 10 minutes before it turned into this. I don't know if we're even helping anybody here. Nobody's appreciative. Nobody's grateful. I ain't seen nobody lately that's even benefiting from this. And I mean, we were just down in the mouth. About that time. About that time. This car pulled in the parking lot. We were on the front porch. And a car I had never seen before. Man gets out, shuts the door, walks. Now, God is my witness. Walks the, the, the porch. You've been there, Tim, and preacher, you've been there. That porch is kind of elevated about this high, and there was a rail. And right down there was a the parking lot. This guy walks right up to us, looking up at us. I didn't know him from Adam. He says, hey, Brother Travis, how you doing? Looking up at me. This man was a middle-aged guy, dirty, had a mechanic's outfit on with his name on it. Obviously, he'd been working all day. I said, I'm good. Who are you? And he reminded me, well, I'm so-and-so. He said, I just thought I'd come by here and say hi to you guys. He said, I ain't been here in three months since I got out and got my own place. He said, I've been working right downtown here at this diesel shop. He said, and I heard the other day y'all got a new bus. And he said, I just wanted to offer, you know. He said, I got this job back and got my own place now. He said, anything you need maintenance-wise on that bus, you let me know. He said, stayed here for six months. And he said, I thought I'd never get out of here and live on my own again and get a job. He said, but boy, I tell you, everything y'all did blessed me and it helped me. And I just wanted to stop by today and offer my services to you free of charge. I looked at my papa. He looked at me, and I said, well, thank you. He said, okay, man, hey, I love y'all, and shook my hand, looked over at my papa, the one that was so mad about all the irresponsible people. He said, hey, Mr. Ray, I appreciate all the hard work you do around here, too. Thanks, this was such a blessing to me. Shook his hand, turned right back around, went and got in his car, put, put, put down the road. I looked at my papa. He looked at me. 
He said, we both started laughing. He said, I guess the Lord used him to shut us up, didn't he? <laughs> and we made a deal right then and there. We said, we'll just decide to remember, even when we think we're not making a difference, God is using our labor of love to change people's lives. So listen, let's not drag that fruitless spirit over into the new year. Let's just face this year and say, God, if you'll help me to be a blessing, I'm going to try to be a blessing, and I know I will with your help. Amen. Let me give you the last one. The last spirit, and by the way, I guess there's more, but these are just the ones the Lord kind of spoke to me about. The last spirit that I don't want to take with me into, the, into this new year is a faulty spirit. A faulty spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. I was, we were building a building one time, a 7,000 square foot shelter for women and children. And I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. We had people helping us and volunteering and scraping by and raising money for every turn. And they had just made this new code that I was completely unaware of in the electrical part. Instead of just putting regular breakers in the, in the panel box, because people were sleeping in these quarters, you had to have something called arc fault breakers. And I'm no electrician, and I don't know what all that means, but I do know it means this. The arc fault breakers cost about 20 million times more than the regular no fault breakers. And the electrician came to me. He said, man, I thought it was going to cost this much. But because of this code, it's going to cost this much. I said, what in the world do these, are they made of gold? He explained it to me. He said, no. He said, but because this is living quarters, if something goes bad in this outlet in this room, these arc fault breakers are going to trip every outlet in all the other rooms where the circuit is and all this. He said it's an added measure of protection. He said it protects against fault, faults in the line. He said which ultimately is going to save lives because of preventive measures against fire. He said, you just got to pay more for it and its code. And boy, the more I got to thinking about that, the more I thought about my heart and what God does and wants to do with me. And here's the thing. I say, we don't want to take a faulty spirit into this new year. What I mean by that is, we need to be so vigilant and so diligent that we pray the prayer of Psalm 139, 23 and 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. You say, how in the world am I going to not take this faulty spirit into the new year? By searching our hearts. 
and asking God immediately to forgive us and cleanse us and fix our failures. You know, there's things that I have let, and I imagine maybe you have, I have let drag on and on and on in my life. And it's as if God says, no more. Don't drag a continual situation into this bright new future. Give that spirit up. Give it up. Put that arc fault breaker, so to speak, in your spirit. And listen, as soon as that sin enters, there should be something inside of us that trips the breaker and causes us to, in our, at least in our heart, go to our knees and say, God, I'm sorry. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? Would you make my heart new again and help me to forsake that and seek you? Amen. I want to say this. We won't progress any further in our spiritual walk than we're willing to confess in our spiritual walk. And God himself will be sure and help us. I'll give you this last thought. There was a gentleman one time in, in our ministry that had so many struggles so many struggles. And I wish I could tell you that he finally overcame them. And, but he never did to this day. And he would get right and he'd try and he'd fall and he'd try and he'd fall. And the, the time that he finally turned away from God. And to my knowledge has never come back to a right place with God. This is what he told me. I said, Daryl. I said, man, let's. I'll help you. Let's, let's give it one more shot. You can do this with the help of God. He said this. He said, preacher, he said, I'm not dragging God into this one. If Daryl could only have seen, he wasn't dragging God into his mess but God was right there in his mess, ready and willing to undergird him. But he was unwilling to turn loose one more time. How about it? Let's say, Lord, there's some things that I'm absolutely, by your grace, not going to let go with me. I'll tell you a great way to end the Bible study would be with the altar of prayer. With the, with the preacher uh, helping us and leading us. I know that we've had a prayer request for the three young men that, uh, that were involved in this plane uh, wreck. I don't know any details about it. I was just informed about it right before church. But we need to pray for those families. And we need to surrender. God, help me to leave some things behind. Preacher, if you'll come and take over, praise the Lord. All right, let's do this. Travis, I want to do this too. If you and April come, just stand right here. We want to pray. pray.